I, Charles the Fourth, or is it the Third? Bloody man! We will strive for the deoxification of the Let me put it to Yes, if you win by one, you've won. The phone went over the side of the phone. It is time to destroy I just think everyone should be sure. What the fuck is going on? Part of the ACAST Creator Network and also available on Patreon. Hello, I'm Mark Steele. Welcome to my podcast, where each week I ask the question, what the fuck is going on? What the fuck is going on? We are truly, truly honoured that this weekend we shall witness what is possibly the greatest event ever to happen since the dawn of time. Because we will all weep with pride as we are told by the reporter during the service. Now, as is tradition, the third valet of the fourth equerry of the Wolverhampton Dragoon Guards of the Prussian Battalions of the Noble Emissaries of Mansfield marched to pay homage to the Noble Emissaries of the Prince of Wales's masturbating hedgehogs of the Constable of Hemel Hempstead. And just look at that one on the left, taking great care, as he has been trained to do not to injure himself with one of his own spikes in the process, which may tarnish the ceremony. And now we are honoured to observe the Cowpat of Victory, which was shut out by the Royal Frisian of King's Lynn in the grounds of Sandringham and then carefully placed by the Constable of the Order of the Bovine Feces onto the tea tray of Majesty, which was specially selected by the late Queen Mother in 1993, and then carried by the Queen's own cowpat bearers of the Dragoon Guards of the Fourth Fusiliers of Swindon onto the Royal Yacht Britannia, which sailed up around the Norfolk Broads and up the Thames by the Admiral of Her Majesty's Fleet, and then taken to Buckingham Palace, where it was hardened in the Arger of Buckingham Palace, so that it could be frisbeed along the Mall and into the Abbey by the 16th Hussars of the Viscount of Didcot. And now we shall see the cowpat hammered onto the buttocks of the new king by the Archbishop of Canterbury. In a moment, of course, we will see the scepter of triumph replaced by Bradley Walsh, who will conduct the new king and queen in a coronation special of the chase, along with Peter Andre and Cheryl Baker from Buck's Fizz, who will compete against the vixen. And then the Archbishop of Stockport would kneel and lick the divine caterpillar of regal strength and exhort the king's subjects to whisper, May the mighty king live longer than time itself, despite the protestations of scientists like Brian Cox, who proclaim this to be both scientifically and philosophically impossible. This will be followed by the highlight of the day's events, when the Viscount of Sidcup descends from the roof of the abbey in a giant clam to lay on a bed of tomato ketchup and cry unto the heavens, O Charles the mighty, the merciful, how dost thou put up with us when we are a species of algae and twatty algae at that compared to thee? Then David Starkey will implore the king's subjects of Great Britain and the Commonwealth to pledge allegiance to the king and to his heirs except those that sign a deal with Netflix, to pledge allegiance to his friends and to his imaginary friends, to his unspecified medals and to his biscuits, and in particular to his undergarments. After this, we will hear an exultation to the new queen, led by Elton John, and I can give you 
a foretaste of that particular ode that we will be privileged to hear in a moment. Oh, Camilla, your odour is as sweet as vanilla. Your face could launch not just a ship, but a flotilla. Your beauty is as astounding as a goal scored from 35 yards at Aston Villa. I know you didn't like Diana, but I'm sure you didn't kill her. Now, uh, this week I have been touring uh, around the country to some uh, to well, to a diverse array of places. Uh, indeed, as I speak to you right now, I'm in Stamford, which is a very beautiful stony town, all stone, very lovely, Middle England in the middle of Lincolnshire, and it is absolutely covered in Union Jacks. There are shops that you I literally cannot work out what the shop is unless it's a shop that just sells Union Jacks, and it's just a coincidence that I'm here on the week of the coronation. Uh, there are barbers that are just, you cannot, no one could possibly find any scissors in these places. It's just uh, absolutely full. The audience were lovely and beautiful, by the way, but the, it is, as, um, as Jeremy Hardy once said about a town like that coming up to a royal wedding, uh, it looks like it's a loyalist estate in East Belfast, and it very much does look like that. Uh, but that's the town where I'm, I'm coming to you uh, from right now. So I haven't been able to do all the things of the normal podcast, but we have done one very extra thing for the podcast, which is have a long conversation with uh, one of the funniest people in the world, Mr. Miles Jupp. Now, of the many, many times that I have spoken, spent some might say wasted my life trying to find out what the fuck is going on never never have i been more honored than to have the expert advice that i am blessed with graced with adorned with for the next um oh i don't know seven or eight hours <laughs> miles jupp hello sir hello mark how are you uh well yeah all, all very well i was down your way wasn't i monmouth the other day you were yeah you came and did an excellent show at the theater <laughs> and then you. you uh then you uh did us the great honor of being our house guest for the yes. evening yeah you um rachel was saying in last night she was saying mark i think she'd written it down you said before we all retired you said what, what time are we up in the morning to learn the latin names of the flowers it does have that sort of air yeah yeah <laughs> yes yeah, we for a brisk walk through, through yeah. the woods of woods of monmouth <laughs> not as far yeah. as the forest of dean because one yeah. never knows what one's going to find there we've lost seven or eight members of the family already we we half suspected you were trying to sort of put him on an axe to try and impress us and get in with us, and that this isn't how you behave at home. <laughs> no, no, no. Normally, yeah, I thought I, I kept saying before I got to your house, use the toilet, use the toilet. Don't, don't want to use, go on the living room theirs. carpet. <laughs> But in the um, end, I guess it was just, I don't know if it was panic or excitement, but anyway, we've got very good, very good steam cleaners in our area. And honestly, now, unless you knew what had happened, you wouldn't guess what had happened. But it's all, it's all, you know, it's for us, it's just... People will think it was the cat. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it is, look, it's, we are quite quirky people, and I have to say, it's not it's not the traditional approach to a guest book, but we... We for us it's just a different it's just a different way of remembering, isn't it? You know, for some people it's mnemonics. Some people some people just make lists. 
but we think that's yeah. very tedious. Yeah, well, but I know I was brought up in an area of Kent where you had to mark out your territory. It was very much like being a leopard. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> it's often said. Yeah, yeah. I watched that uh, that Wild Isles about the leopards of Kent. It was, um, yeah. God, I have to say, I stretched that out a bit. <laughs> Yeah, 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 but it was uh, no, it was very, it was, it was very lovely coming down. It to was it. nice to see you. I was worried about. Um, in fact, I texted you to ask if you'd been warm enough because when I went up to strip the bedding, place around the corner started in a service wash, which is handy, <laughs> isn't it? I went up to strip the bedding, and there was a you'd put a blanket on the bed that yeah. I hadn't originally, and I thought, oh no, it was cold. Oh yeah, so you're, so a, you're a yeah, yeah. See that? If I was a therapist, I would ask, you know, do you do you always worry that you're you're being judged? Miles? Right, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's maybe that sort of paranoia. Yeah, I, I just suppose maybe... if there wasn't a blanket on there, would you have gone, oh, shit, he must have been too hot. Oh, God, we must have. it must have been at the perfect temperature. That's not what we want. That's not what we want at <laughs> yeah. all. No, I just didn't like that, because I know you've left our house with quite serious injuries before. Yes, I did. Well, the, uh, one time, I should sort of alert the, uh, the, the listeners to this, one time, because you know, your house is very beautiful and very, um, and it's got a sort of medieval air. Yeah, well, we all, yeah, that's our thing. Yeah, you know, you sort of... Uh, but we let you in. It's not that medieval. <laughs> yeah. you, you were on the same side of the of the moat as us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was... It was... <laughs> <laughs> dong, dong. Oh, for fuck, we've got to let the fucking drawbridge down again. Oh, I've only just got it up. Well, how do we know they're not marauding goths? Oh, take a chance. Uh uh, yeah, it was, and I was leaving about. I think I decided to leave about four in the morning because the temperature was just right, and you uh, thought I'm, no, I'm treating myself I too was, much here. This I is decadent. Just, I thought I want to. You know, oh, I know this is very partridgey, but I thought it was very important to get back before the build up on the M25. Anyway, so I thought I'll get up about four in the morning, and leave Monmouth, and uh, I was aware that around your house there is an assortment of children that were even younger because this was about five years ago. And so, right, don't make a noise. When you get up, don't make a noise. If I wake up the kids, that is a real disaster for many reasons. So I sort of went and cleaned my teeth and all my bits and pieces, and I just came back, and in my sort of adult middle-of-the-night state, I just forgot that there was a beam that was about four foot eight off the floor <laughs> because the house it's, was built. It's the when... door. It's the door of the room. Oh, it's the door, right. Yes, because it was built when most people were four foot three. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, <laughs> before asparagus and all that stuff that makes yeah, you... Oh, long before. They didn't even know about hummus, the people who built that place. <laughs> I do. No, we'd stop and think about them often. <laughs> <laughs> and I just went in with full, absolute full velocity. I've just, on the absolutely worst bit of the head to hit anything, dong. If I had been in any sporting event, the whole game would have been, I'd have been dragged off the pitch and wouldn't have been allowed back on for, a, for well, I'd probably have had to have six weeks off. Donk. And there was the one tiny little bit of neuron left in my brain that was working was just going, don't make a noise. Don't make a noise. Don't make a noise. And I was sort of, <laughs> I think I was just, I don't know, probably at that point, if you'd asked, where I was from, I'd have said Afghanistan. I don't, but, but all I was thinking was, don't make a noise. Well, I'm, I'm Who impressed are with you? your discipline. I'm President Coolidge. Of- <laughs> <laughs> I'm I don't know. 
The business of America is business. <laughs> I have nothing else to say. Is that Coolidge? I can't I don't know. I don't know. Dust, dusting off the GCSE of, history there. You're one of the one very of few people we've had on this podcast who, if I make a reference to Calvin Coolidge, not only do you know who he is, but you can start quoting the fucker. Well, of course, there was another one as well who played for Somerset Seconds. Um, yeah, <laughs> that that room used to be our our bedroom, and then my wife and I—we're not your height; you're very tall, but we're we're both six foot one. And I think the reason it stopped being our bedroom was because we kept absolutely beaming ourselves on this thing. Right. And after a while, we could take yeah. it. We well, could take it no longer. If I was if I was writing on, on TripAdvisor, <laughs> yeah. I I think the the temperature wouldn't be the thing that I was. Uh, that wouldn't that wouldn't be the the main problem. Oh, the you're main... one of these these absolutely sort of snowflakes that just is always fretting about the risk of serious harm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we've got we've got pit, I think I would say it was a lovely stay. Yeah. I, I can't remember the second half. Beautiful of it. <laughs> weekend. <laughs> the woods outside are wonderful. The uh, hospitality is gorgeous. The kitchen is absolutely wonderful, but unfortunately. My husband is now in a coma. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from that, it was a wonderful stay. Yeah, and the two uh, stars. Yeah. Well, no, thank you. Thank, thank you for bra- thank you for thank you for braving it again. We've got signs around the house. Just Justin Edwards, my I often do shows with. He he's like six, seven, or eight. Right. So one time before we stayed, he the children, gets it in the went, bollocks. Then does he? <laughs> He does, yeah. We've still got signs up around various things in the house that are lower saying, watch out, that the children wrote, they just say, look out, Justin. And we say, what do you think of the signs, Justin? And he said, to be honest, there aren't enough of them. So, oh, yeah, he's, yeah, a, he's, yeah. A, he's a danger. But what's been happening, yeah. Mark? Because you read the newspapers and things, which I don't I don't anymore because I don't have those sorts of responsibilities of having to be on when top of When you were hosting them. the news quiz, did you uh, uh-huh. read the papers every day? Uh, I did get quite across it, but I did after a while. You start realising I was very good on like what's what's happening in the news on Thursday. But partly because, of course, I had this excellent writer's room, and you'd think they'd write, write these very funny jokes that were often quite cruel about people. And I think, better just check who these people are that I'm reading this absolute off <laughs> <stuff> about. <laughs> You know, oh, some of them. Brilliant. Some of them were actually quite, quite prominent public figures. It turned out, um, <laughs> uh, quite high office. Um, That's amazing because most people I'm very would have into thought the news, but <clears throat> over cricket pages first, and then the rest. I always one of the first ways in which I started to ponder whether my parents were quite the sort of authorities that you imagine they are when you're four. I think I was about seven, and. I remember me mum and dad saying that Bamba Gascoigne was very clever. What an incredibly bright man he was. I see, right. On right. University Challenge asking the And I think, yeah, but he doesn't know the fucking answers, does he? It's it's they're written on a card. I remember thinking that when I was seven. They're written, I don't the, say he's clever. That's daft. That's mad. And he's just gone, oh, what shall I ask them today, he thinks, as the, as the title music starts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I. It is. It's slightly embarrassing, actually, uh, how often one is. Of course, one gets criticism as well, which levels it out. But how mu- how much praise that you re- you can receive in your professional life for what essentially boils down to reading out loud, mm. and that's kind of you know, like if you host a documentary or present a documentary or whatever, you get an email saying how beautifully researched it was. You just worked so hard, and you think I've, I didn't. I didn't even do the interviews. I've literally turned up and oh. read the script, and you've said. Oh, thank you so much. I can't believe you know so much about medieval Britain or what, whatever it is. Do you think Attenborough's um, like that? Do you think he goes, do you know what? I can't even, I mean, I know he's old, but even before, do you think he'd gone, do you know what? I can't even, do you know, I forget 
which one is a pelican and which one is a hedgehog. Which one's a tree, yeah. <laughs> and- I think he's probably so... I guess in that sort of role, he's so there's quite a lot of responsibility. And, and the thought of knowing all those animal names as well, on top of having to constantly remind yourself not to be caught setting fire to mattresses on waste ground, you're you're just you're just under so much pressure. <laughs> Do you think he does that? I must, I must, I must stop fly tipping. I must stop fly tipping near CCTV because you know he'll get it in the net. The BBC will. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing! I would be David. That'd be the most wonderful bit of news. Well, you would watch the news then, wouldn't you? Yeah, you would. <clears> that, news... Yeah, in the sort of CCTV. Have they? Go, I think we just can we just watch that again? That can't, that can't be. Hugh, can it? Hugh Edwards, the the beloved national treasure and wildlife documentary narrator, David Attenborough was today caught fly tipping. <laughs> He said it was a moment of madness. I regret it. He had forgotten his council tax bill and consequently was not being allowed into the municipal landfill site. <laughs> so he, yeah, yeah. he said I had to get rid of this wardrobe. Because he was in a van, the council worker told him that he looked like a construction worker and consequently was not allowed to drop off what was clearly trade waste. <laughs> Into a essentially residential facility, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then there'd be sort of should he resign? Is he going to be on the? He'd be on the Today program. Are you going to resign, Mister Attenborough? Are you going to resign? Yeah, yeah. And he'd get in on the sort of what about him, wouldn't he? And he'd be going, oh yeah, well, wait till I tell you about Chris Packham's private jet. And yeah. It would all- <laughs> yeah, and don't forget that Fiona Bruce had six bags of plaster that she threw into the park at the back of, <laughs> yeah, yeah. At the back of Kensal Rice. <laughs> That's right. Well, she, again, it's not one of those things people don't know about her, does she? But she, she also always overbuys aggregate. And then, and, then, <laughs> and then she doesn't know how to get rid of it. She watched The Great Escape once or something like that, and she's always so she's got to she's got to wear these huge like collots or whatever. They're really baggy, of course, because the stones are bigger than you imagine, aren't they? And she's sort of wandering around parks and stuff like that, mm. just trying to get rid of the stuff. Yeah, it, it, it catches up with everyone. Well, yeah, Hugh Scully, who is mentioned elsewhere, you know, on this podcast from time to time, but yeah, he was he was terrible. Sometimes he'd he you know he'd steal someone's musical box. It's shocking, isn't it? It is. It is absolutely yeah. shocking. Yeah, Has there any, the been BBC. any real? There's been some real BBC news, as I understand it. <laughs> yes. So as we're speaking now, which is a while ago, if you listen to this, the uh, the head of the BBC we has are resigned. currently speaking a while ago. <clears throat> if that, I hope we that are makes currently sense. speaking, a, yeah, a while ago. I mean, this might be old news by now. We're talking about the head of the BBC that's just resigned. For all, mm-hmm. for all we know, Miles, people are listening to this, going, "Oh, never mind the head of the BBC, King Charles has just resigned, the head of the coronation." In order to, yeah. to concentrate on supporting the Just Stop Oil demonstrations, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> King Charles has been arrested, handcuffed to Tower Bridge. Uh, yeah. Um. Uh, but yeah, yeah, he's he's uh, he's resigned, which I which I think is a, a good thing, wouldn't you say? Do we have yeah, to be careful? Well, you, won- that? you wonder if it's the thin edge of the wedge. I mean, is everyone going to have to face the consequences of their actions? Where where does it stop? <laughs> You know that's that's what worries me, Mark. Mm. You know, well, in these what, sort what? of woke culture days, this is that you're not even allowed to go on television every day as the prime minister, prime minister during the nation's greatest ever health epidemic for the last hundred years, at least. 
yeah. and announce a policy which you then immediately flout <laughs> by having a fucking great piss up in your own house it, without it's having the way to the, the sort of lack of proportionism, isn't there, when it's when it's about buyers and work for them, and they'll be like they'll discover that somebody that works for the BBC's social content team uh, has a Labour voting record, and they'll go, "This just proves how biased yeah, yeah. this is." Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. That's someone that puts up sort of slides, slides. Listen to me, puts up pictures <laughs> saying, "Oh, do do list of six music this afternoon." That's not the same thing <laughs> as being in charge of the whole thing. Yes, they do do that. Yeah, organising loans. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's happened there, I guess. And it's he he's we know so little about it, but is he res, he's resigned rather than being pushed, or is he presumably been fed, presented well, with a thing going? You can't really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, not this and the fly tipping. You've got you've got to. <laughs> which hill are you dying I don't on? No, that that might be what's what's brought it all down. Is the Attenborough is the yeah. Attenborough stuff? You know, in the you know, behind Iceland. Yeah, well, there's those sort of ad- administrative aspects of the BBC that we sort of <laughs> know about and whatever, and he may, he may just have been broken by the fact that he's just forgotten his pass <laughs> one too many times. So uh, now, here is the thing to talk about, and you are a perfect man to talk about this. So we are living in a time when comedy seems to be used, and it's I don't think many comics uh, want this at all, but comedy seems to be used by people to conduct this sort of culture war, whatever it is that you we want to be called. Mm. I mean, last week uh, when Barry Humphreys died, then there was a pile of people saying, yeah, he wouldn't have been allowed on television these days. Paul O'Grady, who was very much a man of the left, was also um, uh, followed by a whole sense of obituaries saying he wouldn't have been allowed, he wasn't woke and all that sort of thing. Uh, and then, of course, there are people on the sort of liberal side as well who then do try to make com- who make complaints about all manner of things that you think, mm. what what's wrong with that? And uh, I tend to think most people don't really take any notice of this. What do you reckon? I think the issue is about people speaking on behalf of others who they often sort of don't know. I mean, you you know, if you're trying to put a joke together for it, if you might come up with two different punchlines or two different setups and you try them both out and one will work and one won't. Ne- neither neither will be more of an insight into your soul and your <laughs> psyche than the other. But what, one will be funny and one won't. Or one will be funnier than the other. Or maybe neither of them are funny. But that's kind of what it's down to. The idea of projecting your politics onto sort of any any anyone else really and uh, the idea that you can sort of, I think with a lot of comics, the idea you can tell what they're even like. You know, you all sorts of people would sit in a dressing room with and then you go out and you watch their stuff. You're like that's not the same person that was just sitting next to me moments ago, whatever. So it's I just think it's I think it's very dangerous to try and guess what you know what people would you know what people think about anything. But to say they wouldn't be allowed on television now about someone that they've been on television really recently. The only thing that the only reason they're not on television now is because they've literally passed away. I think you are grasping at straws there. Well, we had, I mean, I did a bit about that in this, on this podcast, but that Lee Anderson, who's now the deputy chair of the Conservative Party <laughs> over yeah. Christmas, um, actually wrote, I'm watching, actually wrote this, I am watching a repeat of Les Dawson on the television. It makes me realise he wouldn't be allowed on television these days. <laughs> well, yeah. why he was watching him on television? I think I said he, he must have thought he was watching him on his fridge. It's- yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> that, that is quite baffling, isn't it? Yeah, and all of that thing that just—I I think 
it's that kind of was it post-truth people was the phrase and you think people say a lot of things that aren't true completely sort of unchecked and it's because there's so many different platforms on which mm. people can make their yeah you know make their case about things these days that there isn't you know it, it's it is unfiltered it isn't regulated and you could you could just say things that aren't i remember going to like local council meetings when we first moved here about some issue and eventually one point i stood up and said I'm really sorry, but people keep standing up and saying things that aren't true, and then nothing happens about it. And they were like, oh, right. You and said I said, that in you the can't. Yeah, because I just thought people keep saying up and saying, that's not the case. This happened. I know about it. And I thought, no, that's not, that's not true. And I said, you just all have a duty if you're going to stand up and make claims that they're sort of empirically verifiable. This isn't, this isn't opinions. What was you've the meeting got, about? Got, it was about play provision. Uh, about and it, and but someone said that, that, some, that something was was the case at somewhere and you're like it just isn't we were there yesterday you're talking about no that's not all true. the swings have been melted down and turned yeah. into trident submarines it was just a basic <laughs> denial about someone saying what the facilities were at a place and i said that it's just not true you can't just stand here and say things are true especially people who don't know are just going to listen to it and i think that's a you know sort of microcosmic version of it but now i think people can just you know I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. All no, that is, arguing that, and stuff but i think i wonder even the you know like people say you know twitter is not the world or older version of the map the map is not the the, the territory i think i think that basically it means that there's pockets everywhere if you want to go if you want an argument if you're in the mood for an argument you can sort of go and go and find one on every you know on, a, on any sort of any sort of topic but actually these things don't kind of they're not as big as the people talking about them think they are there's a very good interview with the broadcaster author and philosopher richard osman that i read not long ago and someone was asking him about twitter and you know things blowing up on twitter and he said look every every week eight million people sit down and watch country file and nothing that big has ever happened on twitter yeah, and i thought yeah. it's just about the proportion of it yeah. so i think it's people looking for arguments and, and just trying to sort of desperately put together uh you know evidence if you if you you know if you like you know you you're a columnist that thing sometimes you think i i actually don't think something this week and i just need <laughs> but i need i need to think something what can it be and then can i think of any evidence for that thing but it needs to be something well one thing i one thing i definitely know is the case is that if you write a column if you were to write a column for example saying uh i think that all wings of the labor party uh, are seeing everything that happens through the prism of their own faction within the Labour Party. Uh, this faction mm -hmm. sort of will deny that the that there was any momentum at all in the Labour Party under the Jeremy Corbyn years because they detest Jeremy Corbyn, but then the Jeremy Corbyn supporters will then say, well, uh, yes, but on the other hand, the last election result wasn't bad at all because if you compare it to this, that, and the other, and mm -hmm. so on. And if you write something like that, it will get a few people might read it. If you write one from either poll and you say Jeremy Corbyn was an anti-Semitic fuckwit, then loads of people will read that. If you write a, 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 the opposite point, then that will also get thousands and it will be shared and people will share it because no one's going to share around a thing or very few people are going to share around a thing. Oh, I, I appreciate the nuance in this. And so I think the modern sort of way of spreading information does encourage that it's still a small number of people that if an article gets shared around ten thousand times which in the you know compared to your country file example is very little 
but it, it's it's very small in the in the big scheme of things. I think what would be useful is if <laughs> banners now that say "United We Stand" on them also had like in brackets. And may I add, <laughs> it's harder to win elections with lots of infighting. You know, just in brackets. And I th- honestly, I think that would be really helpful. Uh, to you know, to people of that persuasion, because I think you know, just come on. I do think on with Twitter, right? So I think. Do you remember that thing when whoever it was? I know there's so many people. Cameron resigned, or whatever. There was a new prime minister in place Mm. three days later, or whatever. When there was a vote saying, "Oh, I'm not sure about Corbyn," they said, "Well, we'll have a new leader in September or an election in September, which is four months away." And it's a thing about you know, there's just moments when how about you know just stick together and crack on with it, shall we? Uh, I know that sounds like a sort of very vague platitude. Maybe you saw that on a cushion in a shop and think, well, I'm not fucking buying that. But as a sort of basic piece of advice, is could we all, you know, it's just like, don't argue in the car. That's just, you know, it's, it's, that, it's that sort of simple. It's a sort of basic life truth. This, is not, this, this isn't helpful. Let's try and face them the sort of the same same direction, even even if only broadly. Yeah, 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 yeah. You have to, you have to otherwise, or be, or be two different pies. Yeah, you could be that. Yeah, but then that's the sort of European model of the left repeatedly dividing and then wondering why it doesn't win. Yeah, elections. Yeah, yeah. The, either one of those things because the system is flawed. Uh, uh, of course, it is. I think that with same with um, Twitter. I've often thought this right. So I don't know how many followers I've got on Twitter. Quite a few, but most of them don't engage with anything very much. They may or may not read something I put on there. And then when I'm doing the in-town shows, if I was to say, for example, uh, does anybody, can anybody tell me anything about Weymouth? If I was to put that, I would get about a thousand replies from that, from people going, oh, yeah, there's a funny bloke who sells fish by the beach or something like that. Or, oh, if you get the ferry from here to wherever the ferry goes to, or something like that. And every one of them would be engaging and it'd be funny mm. and or or they'd be something. There'd be hardly there'd probably be two people who'd go, Yeah, the best thing is is the road out or something like that. But they'd yeah. all be and I think all of these people who don't normally engage with Twitter, they see something that pertains to them and they go, Oh yeah, they're they're not bothered, they're not taking part in all of this crazy exactly. screaming and yelling and, and calling names and all that. Well, just, but it can feel as if it, it's just that, can't it? It feels as if it's I think only I'm, that. I'm, I'm, I'm not on it. So, I, but of, of course, any anyone can see it, which I think people forget sometimes. But I, you, you kind of think really as you go th- through life, you know, only answer the questions you know the answer to. Uh, that that seems to be, you know, you're allowed. In, I remember that you, you, in sort of the nineties or whatever, there'd be a phone poll on a TV program, and it'd be yes, no, don't know, and you'd sort of snigger. Man, who'd ring up to say they don't know? And you think, <laughs> No, that's a really, that's the good answer. And you, you, people should be encouraged to say they don't know. Forty percent say don't know. We think, well, that's interesting, isn't it? There's an issue here that forty percent of people don't know the answer to. So what we're dealing here with is a slightly more niche argument than than we realise. And the don't know thing, I think the don't, you know, I think that's really important now. People to and you've got 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 to be reminded that I don't know. You know, silence is always an option. Uh, you know, is is another thing. If it's enforced, then it's no longer an option. But sign it. You know, you're allowed to say, "I, I don't, I don't know. I, I simply don't know." You I must think get, that's an acceptable viewpoint. Have you ever been sort of contacted by these sort of like um, radio? So there's hundreds of them now. Radio stations who ring. I'd, I, I've, it took me years to get off a list, a list of people that, that 
these people would ring and they would say, uh, Mark, hello. They would find me number. Mark, yeah. hello. Um, <laughs> we're having a we're having a, a a fun sort of item tomorrow morning on the radio about whether um, whether Satsumas are are more sort of enjoyable than a, than a whole orange. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what, we've got someone what, what from really the orange marketing What is the difference board. between a Satsuma and a tangerine? What is the actual yeah. difference? Because- and, you, and you know when and sometimes and I'd, I'd always say no, I'm not doing that. And, but then sometimes I would listen in to see like who have they got to do it? <laughs> yeah. And there was a whole sort of and there would be someone going. <laughs> so I mean, uh, well, you know, I think this is a funny object. Someone so desperate yeah, to get yeah. on that they'd be on to it. The Satsuma Tangerine. I reckon debate. about once, maybe once a month, I have a long, long answer phone message from somebody at the Today programme asking me mm. to come on and speak about, and I don't know what they're asking me on to speak about because I always, you know, press uh, hang up at that point. And then they send a text message saying who they are. They never send a text message saying, so-and-so's given me your number or whatever. They just say, w- would you take part in a mm. thing? And you think, no, you just get, ask someone that knows about it. Or is it, you know, I was asked to go to Newsnight once, a debate about schooling, and they said, please will you come on and be in the, um, please will you come on and argue in favour of private education? I thought, you haven't, that, you've just sent an email asking that. You haven't, you haven't <laughs> sent the first email saying, what's your opinion? As if you go, oh, great, oh, that's good. That's something to do tonight. It's all right for a Tuesday, isn't it? Well, there'll be a taxi. I'll say what you like. You know, you, well, well, if you're, you know, cut, if you're, you're think, not even listening want... to the answer phone messages, Miles, they might be they might be ringing up to say, Miles, we've discovered a bag of your personal belongings. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you know that charger you think you've lost? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? So um, before we get on to the big, big, big subject, so your your background was the big subject. The big subject yeah. is the big subject is that that's a well. We, the big subject is that the head of state in oh, this yeah. country is to be coronated. Anointed, yeah, anointed. Oh, okay, anointed. Yes. What is it? Crowned, crowned, anointed, signed, Jesus, sealed, I, delivered. I don't know. What is your background, incidentally? Where, where, where what sort of? I am you know, you a member of the royal sort of, family. Yeah, no, no, we know that. But you're, you, but were you brought? Were, were, so uh, just uh, not of this. What is my background? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am. Um, so my my dad is a clergyman. Mm-hmm. Um, my mum, uh, like a conveyancing solicitor. My mum's from <laughs> what? What I'm, sort of rank of clergy? I'm just the clergy. Is it like the army? Do you sort of get promoted? You become a brigadier. What's the equivalent of oh, a brigadier? You can well, my dad's uh, <laughs> denomination is called the United Reformed Church, which is kind of chilled out congregationalism. So they don't have sort of bishops and that sort oh, of right. thing. There's not a. There's not the kind of um, you know formal squash ladder that there is in the um, in the uh, Church of England. Something like Hugh Hugh Dennis, his dad's a bishop, I think. Or, right. Uh, but yeah, so you just. And I suppose the highest, you know, that that as a church, it's sort of quite democratic. So they have, um, you know, they they have elders, elders and a moderator. It's quite sort of and a moderator. So it's sort of it's kind of sort of yeah, lecture hall discussion, I suppose. Um, (laughs) And is it very chilled Church of England thing as you imagine? And um, thank you so much for coming. Well, it's not. It's not. It's not Church of England. It's. It's. um, But it's. You know, they. 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 A long time ago, they would. You know. Divorce that divorcees could marry in that church, for instance, which I don't think they could in. Oh right, right. In other churches, 
Um, sometimes the hymns are a bit modern, but let's uh, let's gloss over that. Otherwise, it's delightful. Skepta, Dave, Stormzy, that sort of thing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, There's all different performers. Is there a performer just called Dave? <laughs> Storm, Stormzy, I know. There's one just called Dave, yeah. Just called Dave. Yeah, yeah, I can't yeah. believe that wasn't taken. <laughs> no, has, he go- just... has Dave Googled Dave to see if it's anything else? <laughs> it probably is someone called Dave going, fucking hell, I called myself Dave. You know, Dave yeah, the yeah. van driver. And I wanted I'll to call fucking... myself da- Davlu, but that was already taken. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, Dave is one of the biggest sort of British hip-hop artists of all time. Okay. No, noted. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, because I think when when you're a child of the clergy, if we can call yeah. you that, then that child of child of the manse, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. So that must the nature of it. So, of course, but a very different sort of child of the manse. In fact, just last night when I was travelling back from Wimborne, I was listening to Wimborne Minster. I was listening to uh, a podcast about. Nina Simone, who is one of my heroes. And uh, I didn't realise the extent to which she she went to the church every night as a child. And of course, yeah. uh, in North Carolina. And that completely created a, a, a sort of um, both a political and a musical sort of passions. They came, they came from that. And of course, there were a great many black artists in America who learned from from the church, that's what they that's where they sort of got their foundations in music and so on, and that was very much the case with her, except that it was, uh, except it was different because she also had a classical piano teacher, and so she's that's why Nina Simone yeah. so much of it is this combination of this amazing classical piano along with this uh, nature, soul nature and gospel and song, yeah, yeah, um, but. But uh, yeah, so but I don't how, know. So how, how do I sing? Is that the question? Well, I don't know, but it seems to me it's very, it's it couldn't be more different culturally. It's still it's no, still the same God. And, and but I, it couldn't be more culturally the sort of church experience you're describing. Yeah, I mean, I like so school. My, the schools I went to would be sort of more Church of England, so that would be slightly more kind of formal. But I guess yeah, so it would be a big part of the upbringing in terms of you know we'd go obviously every Sunday. I do remember. I'm sure I've said this elsewhere. I remember at Sunday school being given a regular attendance prize and thinking, I'm not really sure I deserve this because you all you all realise I have to come. Right. I mean, right. that's, you know, because, um, but the, uh, uh, that is more like, when I look back at it now is I don't really think about it, the sort of religious aspect of it, I think about it in the sort of cultural thing. Like as a, as a child, my parents' address and number was, painted on the board outside the church if you want to get in contact and that meant that people would come to our our house for for help or or whatever it might be and that that wouldn't always be um relaxing it's funny i got yeah so i i used to go to uh sunday school and i remember there was um uh reverend flint his name was and i've got this sort of memory of him he would tell jokes so i like you know they were sort of jokes that would appeal to a nine-year-old mm-hmm. and uh i felt i remember one of the jokes he told i was nine and he's, he was talking about i can't remember what the ecclesiastical conclusion of all this was but it was about did he say uh what would it sound like if billy bragg liked <laughs> bob the builder <laughs> Well, it, well, sadly, my youth was before the days of Billy Bragg. 
This yeah. is a reference to uh, I've, sorry, a conversation uh, we had off. We yeah, had I off tried air. to do. I've tried to do a. Com- I've tried to do a. Imagine Billy Bragg singing Bob the Builder. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, it may or may not work that that routine, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> Bob the Builder, can we fix it? That, that sort of thing. Yeah, right. So perfect. perfect. <laughs> that's how comedy works. What would it be like if Woody if Woody Guthrie was a postman? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, and a black and white cat that follows me. Yeah, that. Um, no, the joke went, and please don't judge me on this and go, oh, I can't believe you're telling shit. This was a vicar telling it, and I was nine. And it yeah. was, there were two, two uh, flies. If someone's at fault in this story, I expect it's not going to be you, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's God. So the for for sending down an uh, an envoy, yeah. But the but the Reverend Flint had anyway, he told this joke about the two flies, and they just one of them started buzzing really really quickly around a, a milk bottle top, and the other one said, "Why are you doing that?" And it says, "I've read what it says. It says tear around the top." So and I remember thinking that was very funny. I was nine. And I thought, yeah, I'm going to keep coming here. And I did keep going there because I thought he was funny until I got to about 11. And then two things happened. Once my sense of humour became a little bit more adult. And the other thing was that I became convinced there wasn't a God. And that Mm. was more of a problem, really. Um, uh, There was a really big, I had a really big moment because I was asked at the scouts, right, our scout troop, had to provide someone to do the main reading of this lesson at the St. George's Day yeah. uh, event. And it was going to be a big thing. Loads and loads of people from Swanley there. And I, my, the competitive nature... This was, in, this was in Swanley. People this, weren't bust in from Swanley because it's sort of important. Like when the Stokes nobody from Swanley went out of Swanley. No one came in. It was probably <laughs> easier to get... It was probably easier to get in and out of occupied fucking Gaza. <laughs> I... <laughs> I was, so the St George's Day parade, at which I've no doubt there were various kids from you know from various estates in Swanley who probably nicked the flowers, nicked the candles, tried to nick the stained glass windows, but uh, and I was chosen. So we all had to stand up and read this particular passage from the Bible, and I was chosen. And the competitive bit of me thought, "Ha ha, I've won." But then I panicked and I thought, I don't want to do this. I was 11. I don't want to do this. And it was because I was questioning. I don't yeah. think I believe in God. I don't think I do. And it was it was absolutely crippling me. And on the morning of the, the thing, my gran came around because she was so excited. She was a Methodist. It was just, you know, Jesus, Jesus all the time. And... Um, <laughs> And I was so ill. Because she was very religious, so she kept dropping things. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Jesus fucking cried oh. to you to say, I fucking tried to get out of the house this morning, and there's fucking, there's just bits of old fucking washing machine everywhere. I thought Attenborough's <laughs> been round again. Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ. <laughs> that was my grand. So we couldn't yeah. take her to the church. You couldn't take yeah. her. Good morning, Mrs. Steele. You can fuck off on all. I bet you're bloody no better. All bright, bloody, you know, he bloody gives it all out about fucking sea lions, mollusks, whatever <laughs> fucking species you're trying to save now. And then he, he's, he's straight over the high street with an old fucking mattress. 
Mrs. Steele, if you would mind just toning down the <laughs> just <yes. laughs> down the language, we are at St. George's Day Parade, fuck off and all. Yeah. <laughs> Where are all these Fuck, flags going to end dragons. up in my Fucking bleeding? dragon, really, really, a fucking dragon. You want to get a dragon down that fucking path and bloody burn up all the fucking stuff that Attenborough's left? <laughs> yes, it does sound like quite a progressive church. Yeah. <laughs> now, I think, see, on the way, again, if you just take the little bit that you like or the little bit you don't like, you could do that with, uh, with the sort of spiritual, the cultural side yeah. of religion and so on and uh, leave aside the bits that you don't like on the other hand of course the bit that i find that is unacceptable about religion is when it imposes itself uh, mm-hmm. in your life such as when i was eight and was made to sing hymns i didn't mind it well i did mind it at the time but not because of any philosophical reason just because i thought i don't want to sing any fucking hymns and um yeah, I used to do a bit of it yeah. in the act, and then the teachers were geniuses at spotting the one kid who wasn't singing, and they would out of three hundred, yeah. and they would march through. Why aren't you singing? The sun and moon will bow down before him. Do it, yeah. do it, do it. So that seems to me to be unacceptable. Now, I, th- well, I think speak- you can think of other examples uh, that I'm afraid are even worse of where religious <laughs> have impacted people's life that is, that is worse than him singing. I'm afraid. Yeah. I don't want to, yeah. There's, yeah. I, can, I, I mean, look at what's going on in Iran and I think, you've got it easy, mate. I had to sing the bloody Lord is my shepherd. days when the grass is jewelled <laughs> on the silk inside a chestnut shell. Imagine that. Imagine that. Think on. There's a bigger picture here, people. Um yeah, I, I actually like hymns. Mm-hmm. I like um, but that could just be the institutionalised part of me. But like, there's sometimes you like no, I'm I like fine this one. with a hymn. When you go if to a it's wedding, you're like, oh, that's an absolute stonker. Yeah, yes. You shouldn't okay. be made to sing something. You shouldn't yeah. be like, right, we are going to sing this morning. Everybody in this town has to gather in the square and sing a, a medley of Christina Aguilera songs. You have no choice about it. Yeah, that yeah. it seems to me is is not right. It seems neither right nor likely. Yeah, <laughs> but we speak at a time when religion and anybody who watches any of these events, such as the Queen's funeral or the mm-hmm. coronation, uh, it will be the case. I mean, I when I was watching the Queen's funeral, what struck me, and uh, yeah, I wasn't, I was being probably very irreverent about it, but it struck me as being um, wow. We really are a religious country, aren't we? I mean, that, that it absolutely dominated the the thing, and that, that some people take it bit not like a when you go to a normal funeral and you go, oh yeah, yeah, the, you have to do all the religious bit. This really was. This is what we are. I kind of thought it was more about the kind of the pomp and the, the ceremony. I mean, the religious bit. That's you know, that's. That, that's the sort of straightforward liturgy. That's the that that's the set bit. There's a there's a there's a bit there's a bit for this in the Book of Common Prayer. We'll do that bit. It's the other bit where they're like, and what have we had people marching for miles and miles and miles in formation sometimes and threw that bit together. That was the bit that I thought was the, the kind of the funeral. Obviously, is taking place in a you know in an abbey, and you're like, well, you got to do that's 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 where you do the religious bit. But the other bits of it that is you know people you know long processions and. And that kind of stuff that that doesn't seem to have anything to, to do with religion. That that's kind of had that more of that kind of you know we can we can still we can still do this. I don't, I don't know how they knock that together so quickly. 
I say that, then I met a man recently who was part of organising it. He was the um, amazing man, actually. He's the, he is the um, etiquette consultant or etiquette and protocol sort of consultant on a costume drama I'm filming at the moment. Right. And he really is a brilliant guy. And he'll be just like, sort of come up after seeing him and go, sorry, um, you, you would take your gloves off before shaking hands. Sorry, whatever. He's, but he's, right, right, he right. knows all about this stuff. He's amazing to sort of military background and it was the that bit of it the organization stuff you think suddenly we can you know the streets can be f- filled with people marching in time or doing everything in time for ages i mean how do you you know from a you know like packing the boot to go on holiday you think how hard that is and then you think how do you get 400 people coming down one street and 400 people coming down another street and they sort of merge seamlessly and then turn into one group of 800 mm. people without anyone sort of breaking step that's the sort of and that doesn't that probably has more to do with the Fibonacci sequence of religion, I imagine. You think, oh, they've done that. That's absolutely brilliant. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I can yeah, see what yeah, you no, mean. You don't watch a lot of, you know, perhaps you watch more marching than you watch um, televised uh, <laughs> religious ceremonies, so you're sort of less blown away by that bit. Um, I don't know why you would watch a lot of marching. I don't know, I don't know where your holiday um, <laughs> Well, I, you know, inadvertently, I ended up having three weeks uh, at the guests of the North Korean army, mm. and uh, you know they were very, very good at it. Do you know though? I I think they sense a TripAdvisor there because <laughs> those reviews are high. They are high reviews. <laughs> no one gets straight tens. There's always something wrong, isn't it? Oh, I turned the doily over, <laughs> and there was a TripAdvisor on it. TripAdvisor have written yeah. to the North Korea and gone. It only goes up to five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it only goes up to five, and yet everybody gives the North Korean army ten. Yeah. Why does everyone say that this flat is so handy for the marching? Anyway, <laughs> I see. I'm not. I'm not quite with you, Miles, because I think that that uh, there is some, that, that the king, after all, is the head of the Church of England, and that yeah. is not taken lightly. It's not well. It's taken lightly in one regard, in that from the moment his marriage begun, he was breaking one of the commandments handed down by Moses to the person who is supposed to be the god. Mm-hmm. But leaving that aside, um, it's it's very much you know we are a Christian country that this does matter. And I think that will be very sad. After all, the coronation does include... A long time ago, he wanted, when he became monarch, which, uh, you know, looked unlikely for a while, didn't it? But he, what I do specifically remember one of the things he said was he wanted to be known as the defender of faiths, plural, rather than faith. I think he's got a sort of pluralist kind of vibe to him. But head of the Church of England is only one of the, one of the, you know, one of the, you know, head of, head of, head of state, I'd argue, is a bigger time commitment. You know, like on an admin front. Oh, do you think he forgets sometimes? Do you think he goes? Well, he's not going to suddenly oh, update the Book of Common Prayer, is he? But he might have to seriously change an aspect of protocol or whatever as the. Uh, oh, I wonder you know, if you. Oh, I've got so much good fucking country with the Commonwealth. Oh, the church! Up. I've completely forgot the church. Sure, yeah, for a yeah. Month. God's going to be furious. Not to mention the small matter of my 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 really quite large businesses, and. Uh, <laughs> How they how they've been funded? Cornwall, girls are silly. Oh, the biscuits, the biscuits, the biscuits don't make themselves, Mark. <laughs> the, yeah, all the arts. I've got to go to the bloody Royal Variety performance. I was hoping to have a word with God tonight, but oh, bloody. I God. imagine if you ask him about it, he probably says, "I am busy, but I do have help." 
And I, I think that's, <laughs> that's sort of what it boils down to. Do you think the coronation will be something that is um, – because you know, people talk – well, is it not the case that – the coronation in nineteen. 19- it's a very today program way of asking a question. Uh, you must agree what? with me that, yeah. Is it not the case oh, that? Fucking hell! What have I become? What have I become? <laughs> uh, uh, but no, no. Karen, is it um, not the case? I think it's more a politician thing, isn't it? In but surely you'd agree that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, what, but what the coronation in nineteen fifty three was yeah. credited with. I don't know how true this is, or if this is an urban myth. But it's credited with boosting the sales of televisions for the first time. That you know, huge numbers of people bought a television so that they could watch the coronation in yeah. nineteen fifty three. Now, whether something similar to that would happen, obviously, m- most people now have a television. I don't think anyone's going yeah. in fifty years. People are going, oh, do you know what? People only yet subscribe to Amazon Prime to see the coronation, and they probably have bought the rights. I don't know, but. Is there the same level of interest? I can't say that. Say that I've detected very much interest at all. Well, I, I simply uh, this is an unhelpful answer, but I, I simply don't know to prove my to hey. prove my to prove my point. <laughs> there's a sort of circularity about this. If you want to know, if you want a title for this episode, I simply, I simply don't know, Mark. Um, but also the other thing is we've got seem to be quite a lot of three day. You know, so many bank holidays at the moment. You've got to you know. You've got to sort of compete with it. You've got to, to be a three-day weekend that really stands out right now. You've got to really pull out some stops. And this, this I imagine, is the higher budget of the of the uh, of the bank holidays weekends right now. So the yeah, it'll probably be sort of quite impressive. But you're not going to a street party, Mark? Have you um, made the official yeah. coronation quiche? I like. Lo- Do you like coronation chicken? I absolutely love it when you're at a buffet and you suddenly go, "That's coronation chicken." That's fantastic. oh yeah, that's got the sort of yogurty bit in it, isn't it? The yogurt bit, yeah. What is it? Oh, I can't remember. Hark, now. hark at you, John Tarode. Uh Yeah, that's right. It's, um, <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah I should it's be on Master Chef. Yeah, all yeah. right now. What you got here? Can't you chuck some yogurt on that, darling? Yeah, that should have more more yogurt. I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. The um, no, I do. It's got raisins in it as well, hasn't it? Oh, and it's that's kind it. Of, raisins. And it's got, yeah, and it, yeah, yeah. And it's a very vivid colour. And that's. I bet you'd get people going. Who would see you as a sellout if you were eating coronation chicken? I bet there would be there'd be someone on the left. Oh fucking hell! To think that he used to stand up for the working man and now yeah, he's yeah. eating coronation chicken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They all go the same. They all <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Gone are the days of the old yeah. tuna mayo. He's gone to co-op. He's got a meal deal. Look what he's chosen for his sandwich food. Coronation this chicken, all fucking right there. Cause that's because he's bloody because he wants to be yeah. in with bloody. Uh, uh, in, um, and it's not because he likes chicken and yogurt and raisins and things like that. Yeah. No, no. Well, that, no, that's named off that, wasn't it? But uh, I don't know whether there be anything like I just can't imagine that there will, or it might be imposed on us a little bit. And uh, most people will watch it. Like, you know, I watched the funeral, and we went to the pub, yeah. and we had a very lovely day in Ealing, and it was all very fun. Well, but- it means in 20 years' time, someone will say, did you watch that? And you go, yeah, I did. And that's what it is. It's sort of pub quizzy, isn't it? And you'll have a bit of bit of knowledge for a while. That would be quite an easy pub quiz. But there's those things, did there's you the go, bits that stand did out. Did you watch yeah. it on the telly? And the next question concerns the yes, coronation. Did you watch it on the telly? The answer here says, yes, you did. <laughs> no, but I didn't. I honestly didn't. I tried to, but I double put myself and I, I needed root canal. No, it's it, on the card. It says, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, I think that's, I, I think that sort of vague lack of, of yeah, you know, that 
sort of what would you call it slightly disconcerted lack of interest i think is probably about the right i think we've set the right tone really i think i think yeah i might watch that that seems all right. That seems but when all right, it, doesn't it? When it happens, it will be crazy. We're talking here before it's happening, but you, you might be listening to this after it's happened. It will be crazy, and it will be every newspaper, and there will be reporters everywhere going, it's the most amazing thing that's ever happened, and there's King Charles, and isn't it extraordinary? And there's what the- is it? 70 years, isn't it? It's a, Haley, it's a Haley's Comet, isn't it? it yeah. Just, it, come, it just, you know, so I suppose there's there's that. Yeah, but, you know, a bit of, bit of pomp. I mean, I think once you become an adult... There's almost nothing, even if it's absolutely glorious, that you can't look at and think, oh, God, how much does this cost? <laughs> oh, God. You know, like when you see scaffolding go up, oh, God. This is like, for that, that that's a sort of huge civil version of this, isn't it? <laughs> oh, God, this is just... Oh, oh what, God, what yeah. is This, oh, this is, is this costing nearly as, nearly as much as it was to pay Andrew off. <laughs> yeah. He'll be watching, won't he? <laughs> Do you think we're watching on the telly? He invited. Who's going to come? Who's going to come? All that. Are they well, going to be there? Be. Are they going to be there? So if King Charles, uh, he wants to be, uh, he's got this sort of slightly radical air. I think that he should have just invited, instead of inviting Emmanuel Macron and Joe Biden and bloody, uh, uh, I think he Billy, should have been. Billy Bragg. Billy Bragg. <laughs> They go to marches, four hundred from each street, and they merge together. Like, yeah, God, yeah. maybe it writes itself. And yeah. Stormzy and Skepta and uh, Dave. Dave, yeah. <laughs> Do you think he's, where's he at drinks party? Said to people, "Oh no, no, no! I'm, I'm not the channel. I'm a rapper. Uh, no, he's a hip hop artist, isn't he? So it's a completely different thing. Yeah, yeah. He did an album called Psychodrama. Yeah. Did a thing called Black, and he actually did it on the Mercury Prize. It was quite astonishing. I was just, you know, now we're going I'm, down that. I'm, I'm writing, cli- I'm writing it down as we speak, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> we're going down that old cliched route of talking about the coronation with reference to uh, hip hop artists from Streatham. <laughs> Once again, once thank again, you, on, thank you on so it much. Goes. I feel, you know what? After this, I feel it's brilliant because I think I, I have no idea what I have less idea what the fuck is going on at the beginning. But the fact that I don't know makes me feel vaguely reassured. Yeah, well, it, that's that's it's a perfectly allowable allowable thing. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you've liked it, rate it, and if you can be bothered write a review. If you can't be bothered, definitely write a review, a coronation review. If there is anything at all that you think I should be finding out what the fuck is going on with it, please send me a message on Twitter at WTF is going on pod. And we will look at every message that you send. If you would like to become a WTF supporter and get early access to ad free extended versions for as little as two pounds a month, please visit our Patreon page. What the fuck is going on? was hosted by me, Mark Steele, with my guest, Miles Chuck. It was produced by Pete Sinclair and Mike Benwell. What the fuck is going on? was brought to you by WTF Productions. <laughs>